0: Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host Tyler Brondike. Today's episode, I'll be chatting with Mark Batterson, the lead pastor of National Community Church and the New York Times best-selling author World of over a dozen books. Stay tuned. How's it going, everyone? This is Tyler Brondike back with the Guys Like Us podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode with Mark Batterson today, who is the lead pastor at National Community Church and is also a New York Times bestselling author of over a dozen books. Per Guys Like Us tradition, we go back through Mark's bio and background, trending all the way back to Illinois, and we discuss his moment when he decided that he would get involved into full-time ministry and plant a church in Washington DC and how that came to be. We discuss leadership and one of his most recent books called Whisper is on hearing the voice of God and also how to discern the voice of God and some practical advice and tips for all of us. He gives us a sneak peek into this book. We also see a bit more about his his preaching and teaching style incorporating history and why it's so important for him to be creative in the way that he shares his message and how that's a core conviction of the church as well. We dive a bit more into obstacles and then also talk about some some visions and what he hopes for the future. So I, it's a great episode. Looking forward to you all to tune in and I'll talk to you soon. Morning. I am live in Washington D.C. here with Mark Batterson. He is the lead pastor of National Community Church and is an author of over a dozen books. So, without further ado, Mark Batterson, thanks so much for joining today.
1: Hey, absolutely, Tyler. Good to uh, hang out with you for a few minutes.
0: Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for joining. And how I I like to kick us off is just by opening up uh, in prayer, just to pray for us and pray for our listeners. And then I'm going to ask you at the end of the podcast to just close this out. Sounds good. Father, thanks for bringing us together this morning. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, it, you meet us and you find us and you put us in a position uh, if, if we call and if we ask. And this morning in this podcast, in this conversation, I pray for, for good dialogue, for thoughtful and provoking questions. Um, and, and knowing that that you're here in your presence is flowing through both of us uh, with, with the Holy Spirit and just the, the opportunities that that lie in conversation and, and dialogue. And I, I pray for our listeners today as well that they can they can benefit and they can find some value in this conversation. Even if it's just something small, that, that's all it takes. It's just that small, small touch, that small whisper, it's, it's, it's what it is that, that that helps, you know, spark that fire and, and gets us going. So through all this, I, I pray in your name, amen. 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 So to, to get things started now, I um, want to open up going back to your younger years back in Illinois. Um, would love to hear a bit more about your family and faith background um, and, and also your life as an athlete too. Uh, so you were in your basketball uh, basketball prime, playing at the collegiate level, and and then ultimately um, something happened, which really, I don't know if it changed your trajectory, but really started to, to hone in on, on, on what you were called to do. So can you just walk us through that experience?
1: Yeah, well, I have to say up front, the as an athlete, the older you get, the better you were, Tyler. There's... Uh sometimes the past gets a little inflated so i like to say i was a first team all american and that's true uh playing basketball uh but it wasn't the ncaa it was the a national christian collegiate athletic association so not quite as impressive mm-hmm. but uh i did play uh, 2 hours of basketball every day for about 10 years and uh you you tend to get pretty good at something if you do that i i I uh, think Anders Ericsson in the 10,000-hour rule is pretty accurate that uh, if you're going to be an expert at something, you got to do it for about 10,000 hours. And by the way, you have to, it has to be deliberate practice. It has to be 70% effort. And so uh, really growing up, sports was my life. Um, uh, played at the University of Chicago. Uh, went there on a on a scholarship and then uh, ended up at Central Bible College when I felt called to ministry. And so uh, my last year, um, right before the national tournament, and I think we had a good shot at winning it, uh, I tore my uh, ACL and uh, actually uh, tore both of them uh, in two different seasons. And so uh, long story short, it was an abrupt ending to my basketball career. Uh, career, quote-unquote, mm. uh, but I have to say, I don't think the NBA recruits real heavily at Bible colleges, so <laughs> I, I don't think I was going anywhere. Maybe if I had another four or five inches, I would add a shot, but uh, but that's a little bit of my uh, background, and I will say this, that sports, the ability to push yourself further than what you think you can, can go. It certainly helped me in so many different areas. I think a lot of my leadership goes back to, you know, learning that in a locker room. And, uh, I don't think I would have written 15 books in the last 10 years without that discipline of, of pushing myself athletically and physically. I I think those two things are related. So, you know, I look back and, Probably the lessons learned on the basketball court are just as significant to me as a lot of the lessons learned in the classroom, so that's a snapshot.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Well, well, thanks for providing that, and it sounds like that, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, kind of an obedience to that day in, day out of playing sports and and doing something that that requires a lot more, a lot of, you know, individual effort um, and requires to, to, you know, hold yourself accountable is... Incredibly important and um, is is needed in your in your faith walk as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I've always believed that uh, physical disciplines, whether it's hitting the gym or doing sit ups every day or planks or whatever, um, and spiritual disciplines like prayer and being in scripture, they are not unrelated. Uh, the more disciplined you are in one area. The more disciplined you're going to be in the other area,
0: and so I, I think those two things kind of feed each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. Great, and I want to rewind back to this time when you ended up transferring out of the University of Chicago into you know Central Bible College and and, and really had your calling on full time ministry. Was this something that you know all of a sudden you got this injury and you said, well, I guess I'm I'm shipping off to you know to Central Bible College and we're uh, we we're, we're going to keep playing playing hoops, but the the I guess the the goal is different, or was was your faith always really tied into to who you were um, as an athlete growing up? And um, I, I I think for a lot of folks too, we 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 tend to we tend to disassociate um, our work in in sports and our work in in any other aspect of our life with our ministry, and that's something that I. You know, If I'm going to preach one thing, it's that you can, you, know, you can follow Jesus in so many different ways, and you can be a disciple in so many different ways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I would say up until I was 19 that uh, I would have said I was following Jesus, but the reality is I think I had invited him to follow me, and that's a very different thing. Uh, and so finally at 19, I just kind of put it on the line. I asked God what he wanted me to do. And uh, I felt a call to ministry. this is the very short story, mm-hmm. but uh, ended up walking in and giving up a full ride scholarship. At the time, the UFC was the third ranked university in the country. And so you know it was it was almost like committing academic suicide in a sense, mm-hmm. and certainly had people who um, who uh, advised me otherwise, shall we say? Mm-hmm. And uh, but I, I just felt like it was a moment where I needed to, cut bait and go for it, and uh, look back on it now, and uh, I'm grateful. And so, you know, for me, the calling is to ministry, but, you know, I think whatever you do, uh, one, you ought to feel called to it, and two, God wants to anoint you to do it. I don't care if it's a lawyer in a courtroom, a coach in a locker room, or an entrepreneur in a boardroom. Listen, God wants to help you do what you do, and we, we need people who sense that calling and function under the anointing, whether they're producing films or producing music or or mm-hmm. drafting legislation or whatever they're doing. So, you, you know, I think I think you're you're spot on that uh, uh, everything ought to be a calling, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what that vocation is.
0: Great. Um, want to shift gears a bit here and go into something that that you have mentioned on on several occasions. Um, your goal, or just I guess your motto of being famous in your household. Um, and I just think that's super fascinating and isn't something that we that we normally put down um, as you know I I want to be I want to be famous in my in my household. But as I think about it now, it it, it resonates strongly with me and something that. Um, I think is a goal of mine as well. Can you explain where this where this came from? Um, and then I have some follow-up questions after that.
1: Yeah, I think I saw a lot of uh, people, especially in ministry, um, almost put the ministry in front of their family. And, and that would go for really anybody in any occupation. But... Uh, I, <laughs> Here's the deal. Everybody listening to this podcast, Tyler, if I ask the question, what's your definition of success? I wonder how many people can answer that question. Um, if you can't answer it, then you're probably by default just buying into the culture's definition of success, which I think is very different than the kingdom. And, uh, and so I think everybody's got to define what that is. And I'll tell you this, for me, You know, it's not how many books I sell or how big our church is. To me, success is when those who know me best respect me most. That's it. Uh, That would be my wife and my kids. And so at the end of the day, um, if I can prioritize that, put family first, and if I can earn their love and their respect, um, that's success to me. And so... I just like this little mantra of being, I want to be famous in my home. Uh, It's simple um, and uh, it's hard to be famous in your home if you aren't home, by the way, Mm -hmm. which is why I set boundaries on travel and things like that because uh, I found myself kind of going here, there, and everywhere for a few years after I started writing, started getting invitations and And started taking too many of them, and uh, so I had to course correct, really focus in on what success is, and then uh, do my best to uh, try to be famous in my home. So uh, there you have it. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think you've already touched on this too, but I think that speaks to something something greater too, and that we can all be famous in you know in God's kingdom as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and. uh, I I kind of uh, I'm allergic to uh, there's too much of a celebrity culture in the Christian world, and uh, I don't like it. Uh, I I think there's one hero of the story. His name is Jesus, and and our job is to make that name famous. And so um, I think if you keep that in mind, um, that, that that keeps your priorities straight.
0: For sure. So so now as you're you know, as you've kind of transitioned roles, um, I guess more recently, as as the church has grown, and as um, you know, you've written a few different books, I, I you know, I'd say that you've assumed and kind of taken a position of leadership. Um, so I I, I want to know um, what your leadership philosophy is, or. or or really you know how how you embody being a leader is it a servant mentality um you know i know that that's something that's been going around and and makes sense to me but i want to hear a bit more where you're coming from
1: yeah this has evolved over the years you know when i was in seminary uh doing a a master's program you know i would have put together a Leadership philosophy for one of my classes, and then a few years later, uh, I did a doctor of ministry. Would have done a philosophy of ministry in that class, and you know the funny thing, Tyler, is over the years, you know, 20 years of pastoring and leading. Now, uh, it's not static; it continues to evolve. But if you if you said give, give me in a snapshot that philosophy of ministry, I, I think it's honestly um, this little commissioning that Jesus gave his disciples before sending them out in Matthew 10, he says, be innocent as a dove and shrewd as a snake. And I think it's in the, that the tension of those two things, innocent as a dove means you got to do the right things for the right reasons. It's got to be about intrinsic motivation. If it ever becomes about selling a book as opposed to really worshiping God with a keyboard and and honoring Him with those 26 letters of the English alphabet, and something's off. It's got to be intrinsic. And so uh, I have a core value. If you stay humble and you stay hungry, there's nothing God can't do in you and through you. And I think that's part of what being innocent as a dove is about. It's uh, um, making sure that God gets the glory and then shrewd as a snake is interesting because um it's a it's a reference to the serpent all the way back in the book of genesis it says he was the shrewdest of creatures and so essentially that means we need to beat the enemy at his own game and i think that means a number of different things uh For example, I think the greatest message deserves the greatest marketing. Uh, Madison Avenue should not be beating us at the marketing game. And so my philosophy is write better books, produce better films, draft better legislation, start better businesses, and do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. I think being shrewd as a snake is um, about—there are ways of doing church that no one's thought of yet. Church ought to be the most creative place on the planet kind of that vein of thinking. And I think when you combine those two things, um, really you have my philosophy of, of, of leadership and philosophy of ministry. Um, you know, I could probably uh, share 10 other perspectives on it. And uh, in fact, probably in the next couple of years, I'll, I'll write a book on leadership. I, I've resisted doing that. It was actually going to be my second book. Uh, after I rode In a Pit with a line on a Snowy Day, we were going to do a leadership book, and I just felt like I needed to accumulate a little bit more experience, and so uh, I keep delaying it and delaying it, but I think uh, a couple of decades, uh, now might be the time to capture some of those thoughts, so stay tuned. <laughs> okay. And uh, you know, at some point I'll probably write a little bit more thorough uh, exposition on, uh, on leadership
0: great that, that that was something I was gonna ask later on if you know what what we can expect from you coming up so I, I think that's that's a good sneak peek right there um, so stay tuned for a bit more on leadership you know maybe not in the next few months but in the next few years so um, I'll, I'll be holding tight for that uh, nice the the other thing I want to kind of shift into as you mentioned the the church ought to be the most creative place on the planet. Um, one of your core convictions at, at National Community Church, um, and as, as you mentioned, the church ought to be reaching, reaching people and, and just showing Jesus and, and it I guess, you know, through, through the same, I guess through di- um, different ways, but ultimately through the same, um, you know, same principles. Um, so I, I, just wanted to know why this has been so important for you and why this, this got to be the, you know, the one of the three core convictions, core convictions. And then also, For folks who don't know, kind of what, what, um, what you guys do for you know holding church and theaters as well.
1: Yeah, well, you know, part of it probably is the way that I'm wired in my personality. I tend to be a little bit more right brain than left brain. And uh, so let me just say this for starters, we need lots of different kinds of churches because there are lots of different kinds of people. Mm. And, so, and it's not about the name over the church door, it's about the name that's above every name. So when you have a kingdom mindset, what you realize is that every church has the, the same message, the gospel. Uh, we have the same uh, mission, go and make disciples. But, but there's a reason why God gave each one of us a unique fingerprint. And I think God gives every church a unique church print. It's because we need to uh, we need to preach a gospel in a way that's true to our personality. And honestly, you see that uh, through all the different books of the Bible. You, you know, Peter and Paul communicated very differently, um, and I'm grateful for that. It gives different perspectives. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, creativity uh, is a gift from God. It's part of the image of God, and I think it's our responsibility to steward it for His purposes. And so if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you always got. And too often, uh, the church is uh, better at exegeting Scripture than exegeting culture. And what happens is is you fall into a a place of irrelevance. you know, we we could talk for a long time on this subject, but I think Jesus was genius in in his ability to communicate in a way that was so relevant, that was so incarnational. And and that's really the task of creativity. And so, you know, the way it finds expression, I'll I'll give one example. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, this week we kicked off a new series at NCC, and we always have a trailer for our series, and we got the idea because we we're meeting in movie theaters, and movies have trailers, and we thought, why, why don't we do uh, trailers for our sermon series? And uh, it's a fun way to kind of intro the subject, and uh, the brain processes print on a page at 100 bits a second, but it processes pictures at a billion bits per second. So a picture isn't really worth a thousand words, it's worth uh, 10 million words. And so we see the screen as postmodern stained glass. It's the way you tell the gospel story to a postmodern generation. And, uh, and so that's just one little example, Tyler, mm. that uh, I, I think creativity, you got to stay true to the message. Uh, the message doesn't change, but methodologies do. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I think technology, for example, is is neutral. It's not good or bad. It's about how we leverage it, and uh, are we leveraging it in a way that advances the kingdom? And if we are, then I, I think God has a way of using it and blessing it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, for those of you, for those of you who are listening right now, um, National Community Church, based in Washington D.C., has um, Numerous campuses in the in the D.M.V. area, and a lot of them meet meet in, in movie theaters. So, just for a bit more context, um, I you know I I attend the the, the uh, Lincoln Theater, and I think as as you mentioned, the uh, different books of the Bible have different um, different perspectives because they're coming from you know different authors and are targeted toward different people. Um, so, at the Lincoln Theater, for example, it's it's at the epicenter of of change i i believe um there's a lot going on um and really in so many different avenues um whether it's you know economic status um uh, race uh you know and, and then you know just so, social customs as well and we see this kind of melting pot uh, at the lincoln theater and i know you, i know you have a special special heart for this place as well um and I kind of think that this is what the Lincoln theater I might be a little biased here but is kind of what's what's going on in our country right now and, and even in our world uh, these kind of were we're starting to see all these forces kind of come together and I something that I I I'm starting to to think more about is just focusing on our on our likeness together um, but I want to know do you do you also see that the Lincoln theater is is kind of a place of, of, of where where we are in the in the world right now
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, one of the beautiful things uh, about it is I I think just at that campus, I think we have 45 different nationalities Mm -hmm. represented. Um, It's an incredibly diverse campus, and I I think diversity is uh, a beautiful expression. It's probably part of creativity. Uh, If everybody looks alike— Often it's, uh, it can be very homogenous, mm. but uh, diversity tends to breed creativity, and uh, I think that part of our city is very uh, bohemian, it's very eclectic, mm. and, uh, and I think that campus represents it. And So it's fun to meet in a place where uh, uh, Duke Ellington and Ella Fitzgerald and some other folks got their start right there in that theater. And uh, it's a fun place for us to gather.
0: Of course, one of our eight campuses, and uh, yeah, there's a there's a uniqueness certainly to uh, to that uh, to that theater. Mm-hmm. And 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 one thing I want to mention as well as as we as the, the as we speak to and communicate in different ways. One of the biggest ways that, that you like to communicate and, and you know, I guess teaching parables is th- by using historical examples as well. So I know that history has been something that uh, it's really close to you and you're really passionate about. But has that, has that something that, that you've been doing for, for 20 years now? And, you know, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, well, geez, how can you get all these different historical examples?
1: <laughs> I, you know, I love to read. I, in fact, yeah. I read 3,000 books before I wrote one, and mm. uh, I think leaders are readers, and readers are
0: leaders. And so, you know, part of it is just, uh, well, Albert Einstein said, never lose
1: a holy curiosity. Uh, I love that idea, um, and I've tried to practice that. So I'm, I love history. I love reading biography. Uh, I love uh, neuroscience. Um, I, I think cross-pollination is a key, no matter what you do, because you've got to get outside your discipline, even outside your worldview. And uh, it's a way to, I think, expand your horizons and and uh, get a better perspective on things. And so history is certainly one of those pieces of the puzzle for me. I'm a little bit of a history buff in fact at one point uh, I thought maybe I would want to teach history uh, when I was in high school but uh, I end up uh, leveraging history a little bit in the way that I teach and preach and write
0: yep yep and and one other thing I noticed too is I think in you know speaking of these different communication means through your books through your you know sermons or, and even these short you know these short trailers or videos, introducing um, the different series um, we, I, I see you overlap on, on different on different stories or you know different examples but I, but I see them just taught in a, in a different frame of mind and just the, the ability to, to change some small things to make it more relatable to different audiences. is this something that that you've been cognizant of or is this are you just kind of just doing what you do? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I I don't know that uh, I've given that a ton of thought. Although
1: I work hard at at uh, crafting stories, so if you you know if you read a three hundred page biography, how are you gonna find a let's say a defining moment or a defining decision, and then tell that story in two to three minutes? It it you have to pick and choose. You have to cut and paste. You have to figure out. You have to be accurate, but uh, you have to figure out how to tell that story in a way that's uh, both meaningful and inspiring. And so I, I don't know that I have it down to a science, but I will say this. The uh, the example or the inspiration are the parables of Jesus. Most mm-hmm. of them are less than 250 words, and yet if you hear them once, you remember them forever. And so, you know, what I'm trying to do is— um, I guess tell stories in a way that would be similar to, of course, what Jesus, um, the way he
0: communicated in the Gospels. So, uh, thanks for uh, those words. And if
1: I, uh, if I get any more insight on it, I'll let you know.
0: <laughs> please do, please do. That would be awesome. Um, and and now speaking on, um, you know, what's what's been going on recently in your in your writing world. I've read, a, I've read a handful of your books, from Circle Maker to Play the Man and Chase the Lion, and, and now just, just finished up Whisper. Um, so I, I, I want to discuss a bit more on, on, on you know, Whisper's background, and, and more so um, you know, in, in Whisper you discuss how to hear the voice of God, and then how to discern the voice of God. So I want to know what have you found has been the best way to hear his voice, um, and then and then moving forward, you know, discernment or the ability to judge well, as we see in the dictionary, that's been a challenge for me. I, you know, really used to hate uncertainty. Um, but then how can we put ourselves in the best place and posture to discern what God is teaching us?
1: Yeah, well, I think the first thing I would say is that, you know, learning to hear the voice of
0: God is not dissimilar to the process of learning
1: anyone's voice. Um, my wife and I, we, we've uh, been married 25 years now. I know her voice much better now than the day we got married. Uh, we've learned to read each other and really discern each other's voice. So any relationship, that process is going to happen over time. and. Listen. There are going to be misinterpretations and miscommunications, uh, even with uh, a person you're married to. So, yep. you know, in a relationship with God, it takes time, it takes experience, and you won't get it right every time. Sometimes you'll you'll think you heard something, but you didn't, and. Uh, and vice versa. But re- really, Whisper, um, of course, I talk about seven languages. Mm-hmm. And the first language is Scripture. And that's key. Uh, in fact, that, that's kind of the Rosetta Stone, if you will, that um, helps us filter the other six languages. But, but real quickly, I'll mention them. Mm-hmm. I think God speaks through desire and doors, and dreams, and people, and promptings, and pain. Now, he speaks in other ways beyond that. You know, for example, nature. Uh, The psalmist said that, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. So God certainly speaks through nature, and, and, you know, there are other languages. But I chose those seven because I felt like they were pretty major categories. And, And in part because you see those languages... In Scripture itself, uh, you see God speaking uh, through doors and promptings and uh, these different ways. And so, uh, I think over time, uh, well, John ten says, uh, or John fifteen, my my sheep know my voice. And uh, over time, you you learn to discern that voice of God. And uh, as you do. Um, you realize that uh, hearing that voice is, man, that's the key. It's the solution to a thousand problems, and uh, and so my my hope and prayer for the book is that it'll help people in that process to really learn to discern his voice.
0: hmm Awesome, awesome. Um, and I guess shifting gears right now, um, I, I'm sure that you you're, you're facing you know you face obstacles you know. In, in in the past 20 years at NCC and developing uh, the church and just your calling but I want to know what what are some of the biggest obstacles right now I'm, I'm sure there's times when you're in meetings or just in even at home just banging your head on the on, on the on the wall just in you know in frustration of just what's going on
1: uh, yeah well I, I have a theory that the blessings of God will complicate your life. Uh, now, sin will complicate it in a way that you don't want it complicated. Uh, the blessings of God will complicate your life in a way that it needs to be complicated. So it doesn't get easier. The stakes only get higher. I mean, it's a lot more challenging with eight campuses than it was with one and the larger we grow, the more complicated it gets. So the stakes continue to get higher, Tyler, and, and that's part of the deal, though. You know, parable of the talents, the, the reward for good work was not an early retirement or vacation time. The reward for good work is more work. And so when uh, in the kingdom, you know, you almost have to celebrate those those challenges. In terms of obstacles, I would say the big one right now is, you know, I used to read a couple hundred books a year um, early on. And part of that was the church was very small and very young, and I had a little bit of time on my hands, but uh, I have far less margin now. Mm. You know, I I have a few more people knocking on my door or or, uh, sending me emails, and, and it's hard to keep a margin to continue to learn and grow and read and so, ironically, um, I think the biggest challenge right now is keeping a margin for prayer, keeping a margin for uh, creativity, keeping a margin uh, to keep learning. Um, that, that's probably the big thing right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I, and it sounds like that goes back to, to posturing yourself, too, in a way for discernment. So, finding yourself in these in these different you know, in these seven seven, you know, among many different different ways to, to hear you know, to hear that whisper and, and it sounds like I guess out of those, you know, scripture and, and prayer have been are really important for you.
1: Yeah. Well and, and you know, the biggest impediment to hearing the voice of God is chronic noise. Okay. And and we live in a culture where Social media, for starters, I mean, I, I like it. It's, it's one way I keep in touch with the people I want to follow. I, I love seeing their pictures on Instagram, and I uh, love their thoughts on, on Twitter. But if you don't manage that well, it becomes white noise. And the next thing you know, you're, you're inundated um, with that. And uh, I think that's a danger. You know, Psalm forty six ten says, "Be still and know that I am God." And that still peace uh, doesn't come easily or naturally in our culture. And so, you know, that's why in the book I talk a little bit about finding your whispering spot. And uh, I think that's a uh, that's a key.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Um, that's a good that's a good teaser into into the book, so people can. Cannot... And not only hear, you know, hear, but 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 read it themselves. So, um, want to shift into just what you're looking forward to in you know in the future and your and the hope that you have, and in encompassing that, just what your vision statement is.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, my vision statement is uh, is. In one sense, it's pretty simple. You know, I've, I've, I've worked with the, a couple of years ago. I spent a couple of days with a life coach. And part of what you do is you put together a life plan. Um, and I won't go into all of that. But I, I think the thing that makes me tick is uh, I want to help people maximize their potential. And so that that's potential is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. And so, whether I'm pastoring or parenting, uh, I think really in all of my books, there, there's this undercurrent of, come on, we, we've got to, we've got to leverage that potential that's God, God's given us uh, for His purposes. I, I think we've got to steward it. And so uh, that's really what I'm about: about helping people maximize their potential. And there are certainly. Uh, subplots to that. I try to say old things in new ways. Um, and I do that by cross pollinating. Uh, I love metaphors. I love stories. And so I'm always, uh, on the hunt for, uh, saying old things in new ways. I think that's how I try to write. It's how I try to speak. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's not super complicated and, and that finds expression in different ways. Um, So, you know, I feel called to write, feel called to pastor. And uh, for what it's worth, um, uh, one of my goals is to produce a film. And so uh, I actually mentioned it this weekend. We have a script, we have a pitch deck, we have a team. Uh, That team includes Ralph Winter, who produced the X Men film. So it's legit. Uh, We just don't have the $8 million yet to. the cast yeah. and crew the film, and yeah. so, but at some point, we'll get there, yeah. and uh, I'm just being patient, and uh, so in a sense, part of why I say that, Tyler, is, you know, I know what I'm called to do, but there's also this little part of me that still isn't sure what I want to do when I grow up, and yeah. I think that's part of following Jesus, you know, you gotta stay like a little child. child.
0: Not childish, yeah. but like a child. Yeah. Cool. Um, so speaking on having people reach their full potential, I know that there's somebody in your life that has been a, an instrumental figure to you. So, um, just want you to mention who that is, but then also, um, I think what you know what people should look for in a mentor, um, and you know, I guess a bit more about you know what, not only what to look for, but then things that, that, that you should look to develop in that uh, mentor relationship.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that God gave me not just a mentor, but really a spiritual father. And a guy named Dick Foth, who is, uh, took me under his wing about 20 years ago and has uh, helped me. He, he's a former pastor and college president. And we, we need those people in our lives. And honestly, just someone who's been there and done that. Um, someone that we can bounce questions off of, someone to uh, help call us on the carpet when we need it. Um, and someone who maybe even believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. And so, uh, Dick Foth has certainly been that for me. And uh, I think the way you find that person, Tyler, is you, you, you kind of look in your circle of influence already there might be someone there that you need to reach out to. And, you know, I wouldn't reach out to him and say, hey, will you mentor me for the rest of my life. That's a little overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, try to grab coffee with them and uh, shoot the breeze and talk about life and see if there's a little bit of resonance. And if there is, then I, I think you continue to pursue that and you see where it goes.
0: Great, great. Um, last last question I had Um just want to know where people can can follow you, and you know, knowing that, especially through social media, as you mentioned, it can become white noise. But if we're going to fill up some noise, you know, hopefully it can be in in uh, in some you know some, some good teaching. So, want to know where where people can fo- can find you um, and get involved also, and then just anything else you want to mention uh, before we close out today.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm online at markbatterson.com. And uh, have the same handle for Twitter and Instagram, Mark Batterson, and uh, and then Tyler, you know, books are the way I spend uh, four or five hours with people. Uh, that's the way I really feel like God's called me to uh, uh, to mentor from a distance in a sense, and so uh, would certainly love people to pick up uh, pick up Whisper, or you know, in light of this. Uh, this podcast, I think Play the Man would be pretty appropriate as mm. well. Oh, yeah. I think either one of those would be a good uh, a good read uh, in the new year.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, I guess without further ado, we'd just love for you to close us out in prayer to, to wrap things up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lord, thank you for uh, each and every person listening. God, uh, you know who we are, where we're at. Um, And the next step that we need to take, and thank you that in our hearts we plan our course, but you order our footsteps. God, thank you that you began a good work. You're going to carry it to completion. Thank you that you have prepared good works in advance. So uh, help us walk and live with a a holy confidence, not in ourselves, but in you. uh, Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so, Lord, pray your anointing on each of us. Uh, We need all the help we can get, and uh, we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen.